Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Welcome to Argyle Chat, the weekly Argyle podcast brought to you by Plymouth Live Sports Desk. Hello and welcome to the latest edition of Argyle Chat. We're rather short-staffed today, so it's just myself and Chris Serrington. Hi, Chris. Stu, how are you? Very well, thanks. A good uh, bank holiday Monday to you? Yeah. Always good to be in the office on a bank holiday, isn't it? Yeah, it, it is. You can <laughs> tell it's a Monday bank holiday because uh, there's, there's hardly anyone here. And I think there's you, me, and about two on the news desk. So, uh, it's, it's a quite... Bare bones. That means so. everyone's at home enjoying themselves and... Uh, all the more reason for everyone to tune into the podcast today, you know, because it's, it's not exactly a sunny uh, summer's day in Plymouth, so uh, sat at home hopefully in the afternoon or evening listening to us. What, what better way of spending a bank holiday Monday? Indeed, indeed. Right, with, uh, with all that said and done then... Um, <laughs> you're going uh, to mention Peter let, now. I was going <laughs> to say, let's, let's bring it down a tone, shall we, and uh, talk about what happened on Saturday. Um, yeah. it's, it's funny, Chris, because I was speaking to our colleague Jack before the game, and... Um, I said Peterborough, I just really like the look of Peterborough this year. And then mm. Jason Cummins, I think they've got a striker who will get at least 25 goals yeah. this campaign. And sure enough, they go to home park and really turned on the style. But you and I were speaking earlier, and it, it sounds like Peterborough played well, mm. and Argyle played poorly as well. Yeah, I think it was the, uh, the worst of all uh, eventualities for Argyle. I think uh, they played poorly, particularly defensively. I mean, there's... There's no real excusing some of the defending and the the first two goals they conceded in the in the opening ten minutes were were, were comical pretty much. Um, they did play very poorly defensively. There's no getting away from it. Peterborough did look very good as an attacking threat. Um, Jason Cummins and Matt Gordon were were excellent up front. They looked a really good pairing. Now I'm hoping that that Peterborough are a very good side because they looked a very good side. Uh, and I'm hoping it's more a case of that than Argyle being a particularly bad side. Um, you know, Argyle haven't started the season as well as they would have hoped or anyone would have hoped. Um, but defensively, up until the 84th minute of the game against Wickham last Tuesday, they hadn't conceded a goal in open play. And then they conceded that late equaliser at Wickham. But even then, you know, Derry Adams has stuck with the same back five who, who, who have done OK so far this season. And so from to concede four goals inside an hour against Peterborough, um, I have to think part of it was they had a really bad day. Um, first goal, Matt Macy's um, had a poor clearance. Second one, Niall Canavan's uh, lost possession. Third one, they've tried to play offside and um, for some reason and was just caught two on the two-on-one break. The fourth one's a penalty where Graham Carey uh, for the second success Saturdays made a challenge which I can sort of see why he's made it but he's asking for trouble and asking yeah. for a penalty to be given against him um, so all those reasons it was bad defending um, but Peter Barat I still think looked a good side they look really good Dembele's quick Cummings and Godden look good they, they look a really strong team so hopefully over the course of the season that 5-1 won't look as bad as it did perhaps on Saturday although 
when can a 5-1 defeat ever look good, particularly at home? Yeah, that's right. I mean, it's interesting to hear what Derek Adams said, and he said mm. it wasn't a 5-1 game. And when you look mm. at the stats, you yeah. know, I mean, Argyle had 22 mm. shots a goal. Mm. So it wasn't all bad, you know. It, it sounded like Argyle had enough of the game to have perhaps won, won it themselves. It, it was a weird game. I think off the top of my head, Argyle... And stats, you can make stats whatever you want them to, can't yeah. you, really? But uh, Argyle, I think, had 59% possession. They had 22 attempts on goal to Peterborough's 11. And they had 10 corners to Peterborough's 5. Uh, they played some good attacking football after the first 10 minutes when they're 2-0 down. And you're thinking, dear, oh dear, what's going on here? I thought they rallied well uh, as the first half went on. They played some decent football, had some good chances. And if they'd scored at least one before half-time, gone in at 2-1, you know, it could have been a different different game. But even in the second half, when it was 4-0, they were creating chances. You know, the, the fans at the Devonport end would have seen the ball flashing wide here, there and everywhere. And um, they just didn't look as though they were destined to score. In fact, in fact I think everyone was surprised when um, Argyle did get a goal in stoppage time when Ryan Edwards scored with a header from a free kick. Um, but even then, Peter still had time to get the to get the fifth. So I mean, attacking wise, they 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 play some decent football going forward, and they created chances against what I think is a good Peterborough team. Uh, but the finishing was was really poor, and that has been a an issue this season. You know that they've got to start um, taking more of the chances they get. Uh, Freddie Ladapo, I thought, did had a really good game up until shooting. His hold-up play was good. He linked. He linked up well. He he caused Peterborough problems, but he he must have had four or five really decent chances and didn't score any of them. Now, you know, um, he got his first goal against uh, Wickham in the week, and you were hoping you know that would be something for him to build on. Hopefully, you know, he he will take the the positive from the fact that he was had a lot of chances against Peterborough, but clearly he'll need to improve his his finishing. But he wasn't the only one by any stretch of imagination. There was. Like you say, twenty-two attempts on goal, yeah. and to only get convert one of them, you know, is very disappointing. Yeah, indeed. Mm. I mean, it's it, it's interesting because Ladapo's obviously come into the team, and mm. it seems like Derek Adams is mm. has chosen that he's going to mm. be his first choice striker this season, despite mm. Ryan Taylor and his influence last year. I mean, you know, I remember mm. doing the podcast with you and saying, yeah. you perhaps don't realise how key Ryan Taylor is until he was absent and we we saw the difference in results last season. So, uh, are you surprised to see Freddie start? Well, I, yeah, I am, I suppose. Um, I, I, I think his overall performances haven't been too bad. He, he's perhaps a bit more pacey and a bit more mobile than Ryan Taylor when you play that central striker role. So Ryan Taylor tends to play between the, the ends of the penalty areas. You know, he doesn't tend to go out into the wide positions too much. Adapo's got a bit more pace and mobility to sort of pull out into wider positions, which in theory then should create a void of space for, for your attacking wide players to come in and fill. Um, it is surprising, though, when you look at it, um, that Argyle's success last year was revolving around a front three of Carey, Taylor and Ramirez. Taylor's on, on, the, on the bench on Saturday, um, Carey's playing, but you know, by his high standards, isn't playing as well as he can do. And the Mirez wasn't even selected for the squad of eighteen. So, in a, in a relatively short space of time, we've gone from that sort of Carey, Taylor, the Mirez, what a, an yeah. attacking sort of trio they are, to only one of them, one of them playing. So it, it just shows how quickly things can change in football. Um, and it just feels like you know Derek Adams is just trying to find the right formation, the right. Um, uh, complement of players to go in that formation and uh, that's where it feels a little bit like the start of last season where yeah. 
um, it, it's all a bit of a work in progress and nothing, is re- nothing feels really settled and nailed down. The one thing, I, uh, the big difference I notice, I know a lot of people are saying it's deja vu, it's the mm. same as last season. But in my opinion, our goals seem to be creating a hell of a lot more chances this yeah. season than, yeah, than they were this time last year. Because, yeah. you know, I remember last year they were sort of not conceding too many goals, but mm. were really struggling to create chances. Yes, I think that's a fair point. Um, I don't think creating chances has been too much of an issue. Um, well, conceding on Saturday. Conceding penalties has been an issue. That's four four now already this season you know um, you can't keep doing that that's asking for trouble isn't it Um, you know if you make individual defensive mistakes like I did on Saturday if you can see penalties if you don't take your chances uh, the manager's trying to find the right formation is he going to stick with the 4-3-3 because on Saturday he went with uh, Carey off Ladapo in a sort of 4-4-1-1 so unusual for him to try that so he's looking for something that will, will work um, you know, is Ladapo the man that you're going to go with? Or are you at some point going to bring Ryan Taylor back and give him that role and give him a, a run? And, uh, you know, Taylor missed most of pre season, so it's no real surprise that perhaps he's not fully fit, uh, fully match fit. But, you know, you're only going to get fully match fit if you play games. So there's all sorts of questions, you know, formations, combinations. You know, Lemirez has gone from, you know, being, you know, one of Argyle's best players at the end of last season. Or in the second half of last season to to not even in the eighteen now what's you know what's going on there you know how do you get him firing again uh, because clearly you know after the first game of the season you know Derek Adams was saying that Carey and Lemirez could be the two best players in the division and and within a short space of time Lemirez isn't even in a match day yeah. squad of eighteen so there's there's as ever when things aren't going well on the pitch oh you get all these questions and, yeah. and imponderables don't you so well, one of the things I was going to ask you was um, I mean we, we see it every summer Derek Adams having such mm. a big overhaul of his mm. squad mm. and Argyle have never started the season well under Derek mm. Adams really mm. do, you, do you think they sort of pay the price because of all those changes and there is so much you know finding out and mm. working out what's going to work and what isn't going to work especially when they have a pre-season campaign where they perhaps aren't tested in terms no. of opposition no um there might be a bit of truth in that, although I'm not sure I buy into it as much as some people. Um, yes, there were a lot of summer signings, although realistically, you only really lost two first-team regulars, I would say. Maybe three with Remy Matthews, say, but Remy Matthews, Oscar Threlkeld and Sonny Bradley. Those were the three players that Argyle have lost. So you're not ripping apart the whole of your core group of squad. Yeah. You know, the spine's um, still very much the same, spine was still very much there. So it's not there were departures, but I would say a lot of them were sort of fringe type players. Just the three, you know, Matthews, Threlkeld and Bradley. So um yes, Derek Adams brought in ten summer signings, but they were all in for day one of pre season. Yeah. So they did have five weeks pretty much to to get used to each other and to train and to sort of start to understand the way that Derek Adams uh, wants his teams to play. Um, the standard of opposition, yeah. Th- th- again, we've we've mentioned that and discussed that, and um, you know maybe going forward, it might be nice to try and get a at least one sort of stronger opposition somewhere along the line. Although it was difficult this season because with Argyle not able to play a, a home pre-season game because of the redevelopment stuff going on, you know it was always going to be difficult for them to get a decent standard of opposition in this country. Yeah. But play it away from home. You know, there's probably not that many Championship or Premier League clubs that would would play a League One club at their home ground, is yeah. there? You know. So, um, and then the final point I make on on this one is that 
you look at the the team and the front six really is the same front six from last season in lots of ways. You know, I've just said about Carey, Taylor, Ramirez, you've got those, you've got Joel Grant, the midfield, you've got Ness, Fox, Sarsavik's come back in the last couple of games. You know, Connor Grant is probably the only one of the attacking sort of six that's that's new. So that attacking core is still there, in certainly in terms of the squad. It's the back five that's completely new. And if we'd had this conversation before the Peterborough game, I'd have been saying, well, the back five's doing fine. You know, they're not conceding any yeah. goals. And as I said, the attacking, the, th- the three in midfield and the three strikers are struggling. And now we've had the Peterborough game where, you know, Argyle didn't take their chances but did have 22 of them and looked a bit better. And then the defence have had, the whole back five, yeah. you know, have had a, an absolute shocker. So... Where does that leave you? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Scratching your head. It is. I mean, it is. Yeah. I mean, so, so they have made a lot of changes to the squad, but yeah. they've been together since the start of July. You know, that's, we're talking two months they've been together yeah, now. It's, that's, it's, it's not like they've all been thrown together at the last minute. No, that's right. It's a good point you make. And also, mm. when you consider Peterborough, mm. obviously made plenty of... Mm. You know, summer signings yes. themselves. and Godden, Cummins, you know, exactly. Ohara, you know. Yeah. Oh, you were saying yourself, you know, Cummins and... Um, mm. Gordon. Gordon up front mm. look really, really good. Oh, they have a strong partnership. They look fantastic. You know, so you can hit the ground running. Yeah. So it's, I, I can see why. Is it ideal to, to sort of shake up your squad every summer? Probably not. Uh, but some of that was out of Derek Adams's control. You know, players wanting to leave or Remy Matthews, you know, going on. Yeah, well, to, those three key players big, you mentioned. You know, you know uh, not that Derek Adams wanted them to go, no, he wanted to keep them. No, they? and you know, the goalkeeper situation he sorted out early on and then Burgoyne broke his ankle and he had to bring in Matt Macy at the last minute. But, you know, the, the players have been there long enough. So I, I, I understand why people say, oh, he's, there's too many changes each summer and, uh, and we're not settled. But the front six is pretty settled, um, although some of them now aren't in the team for mm. various reasons. Um, I thought the defence was doing all right until they got really ruthlessly exposed by Peterborough. So um, there's some truth to it, but I'm not sure yeah. it's, 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 a, it's a total answer. Yeah, one person we haven't seen yet is Callum Dyson. Yes. Any news on, on what's happened to him? Um, I think it's fair to say he didn't impress in pre-season, um, and he's down the pecking order. Uh, whether we all get a chance, um, Mill and the Carabao Cup coming coming up in the week. Whether we get a chance to play in that, I don't know. Uh, Argyle have got a, a Premier League Under Twenty Three Cup tie um, coming up against Portsmouth next Tuesday, Tuesday the fourth. That's at Home Park. Um, so I suspect that he might well be involved in that one. That might be his sort of next involvement and his next chance to to really try and shine. Um, yeah, I, it, he didn't really impress in pre-season. I think he got one goal uh, in the uh, one of the Dutch pre-season games. And the games I saw, you know, if I was ranking strikers, you know, he, he would have certainly been behind Ladapo. Ladapo's got into the starting lineup, um, And with Ryan Taylor being back now, Dyson's not been on the bench. So, um, yeah, yeah we, he, he's going to have to... Impressing in in games that he gets this this Premier League Cup game is going to be important. The Central League is coming around, you know, soon. So there's going to be games, and he's going to have to try and uh, try and catch the eye of the manager. 
Yeah. Uh, let's move on from Peterborough then. Um, yes, please. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you had an interesting chat with Simon Hallett last week. There was uh, much development sort of yes. off the field. Yeah, I mean, it's been busy, hasn't it, off the pitch yeah. with Simon Hallett becoming the majority shareholder. That just seems like a really exciting thing for Argyle. Though. I mean, we all know about James mm. Brent and, mm. you know, there was some sort of diversity in terms mm. of the yeah. attitudes towards James. Yeah. Um, but Simon, he seems to have already invested a, a mm. considerable amount of money and, and sounds like there's more to come, perhaps. Yeah, um, yeah, it's been eventful off the pitch, and I think you know Argyle's start to the season shouldn't really cloud from the fact that you know Simon Hallett coming in does feel like a you know a, a breath of fresh air um, in the respect of that he he has invested a lot of money into into this football club. You know, if, from what we know, and it might he might have chipped in a few more pennies here and there. He's he's invested eight point seven five million since he joined the board. He spent half a million joining the board effectively. He came up with another five million for the for the grandstand initially, um, and a lot of that was by way of a loan. But it's a thirty-year loan, and uh, you know you've got to have the money to still be able to make the yeah. loan. And then he's put in another three point two five million pounds to become the majority shareholder, cover the uh, increased costs of uh, the grandstand work that, that has gone up to six point two five million plus, and he's also. Uh, uh, agreed a conditional contract to buy the high home park land that's not going to get used by James Brent's um, uh, ice rink that's been moved from the bottom end of high home park up to the top of the life centre if that gets planning permission. So you have got somebody that has shown without any question of a doubt his financial commitment to the club. Um, you know, he's been a supporter. I think 1966 he said he saw his, his first game. So I, I did have the chance to see him and David Fellick, who is the new chairman. He's been asked to do the job by Simon Hallett. One, because Simon Hallett is based in the United States, where his work is. And two, he, he's quite happy being a number two and not necessarily being the, the chairman. David Fellick has got a lot of experience at from, from the retail world, particularly Waitrose and the John Lewis partnership. So it feels like a good fit. You know, James Brent is still staying on the board. He has a 30% shareholding. I think having somebody that's been at the club for the last seven years and seen the, the good times and the bad times and has put a lot of work in will be useful for, for Simon Hallett and David Fellett to, to call on him. How long Especially he'll actually... when they've lost Martin Stans as well and there's a change yes, of the yeah, chief executive. Yeah, exactly. So there's, there's been quite a few changes one way and the other. Yeah. Um, so it was, it was interesting to talk to Simon and to David last week. Um, it certainly feels like um, Simon Hallett is not going to be a sugar daddy. He, he made that clear, you know. He he has got money clearly, uh, but I don't think he's going to be throwing at um, at new signings. You know, when the manager sort of says, "I've got to have this, got to have that," he he sticks to the sustainable business model that uh, that James Brent has had. There might be a little bit more scope, maybe on certain occasions, for money to be found to be paid for various bits and pieces. Um, but he is he's very committed to Argyle, you know. Um, he comes across uh, quite a bit, considering he's based in the States. I know he follows the games very clear, carefully. I think the first game of the season, um, he was in a Starbucks in Washington, D.C., trying to get a Wi-Fi connection in there. <laughs> so he could... Uh, that sounds familiar. So he could, <laughs> so <laughs> not, he could, not being in Washington, <laughs> but... Uh, no, not the Washington bit. Uh, trying to get a, a Wi-Fi connection so he could follow the game. Um, so, uh, yeah, it's, it, it's, you know, all fans... Of a, would like their club to be owned by a rich man who follows their team. 
Now, I'm not saying that, you know, it's not for me to say about Simon's personal wealth, but, you know, he's, he's obviously reasonably wealthy, he's not in the mega millionaire thing, obviously, but, um, you know, he's, he's been able to put some money into the football club, and which everyone should be grateful, because, you know, it is a sizable commitment he's made. Um, but he is a, a genuine fan, you know, yeah. and um, that's never a bad thing, provided you don't let your heart rule your head. And that's where perhaps having David Fellick as a chairman and Michael Dunford as a chief executive, you know, experience, you know, that if Simon does think, oh, you know, sometimes feel his heart's taken over a little bit too much, he's got those two guys who are basically in that sort of day-to-day charge of, you know, running the club and making sure that the executive works properly. So um, interesting times, interesting conversations with the the two of them. so we'll see how they they go. We wish them all the yeah. very the very best, and um, you know, like I say, I think uh, although James Brent isn't going to be quite as as high profile as he was, I still think behind the scenes he'll be a, a very useful guy for for Simon and David to uh, to keep involved. Yeah, am I right in thinking Simon's looking to move back to the UK? In the um, not not in the near future, I don't think. Um, like he says, he's he's got a job, um, quite you know high powered one in New Jersey. Um, and uh, I know he's got some family that live in California as well. So um, if he was to move back to Devon, um, Devon to California is a long way away. Yeah, nice for a holiday though. Very nice for a holiday. <laughs> <laughs> I've already suggested the because uh, um, I do like California. Uh, I actually don't. I've I've been um, three times and do like going to California. Must admit. So I did ask if there was any possibility of a pre-season <laughs> tour <laughs> and uh, to California. But uh, he made a very fair point that. that when pre-season in this country is right in the middle of the MLS season, yeah, so you would you would struggle to find anyone to play. But um, but yeah, nice thought nonetheless. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, well, let's move back to football then, mm. and um, a game on Wednesday, as you yes. say, against Millwall. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's one of those again, Chris, isn't it? Where yeah. you know I get such a great result away at Bristol City, and yeah. the fans look forward to mm-hmm. the draw. And you pull out Millwall away. Yes, not the not the most attractive of fixtures, shall we say? It's it, obviously for the London-based fans. It's, it's a good fun. one, uh, and I've, there's a lot of them. So I'd, I'd expect there to still be plenty of Argyle fans there, but perhaps not that many from from Plymouth. But um, it's um, it's away from home. It's against a, a good team who will be expected to beat Argyle, even if they make a number of changes. So on a Wednesday night, uh, a long way from home. Yeah, it's not going to attract a big crowd either so yeah it's, it's, it's not got anything that you really look for in a cup tie really um, I suppose you know if you, you look at it with the glass half full I've already gone to a, to a championship club who made changes and beat them away from home so if they've gone to Bristol City and won in the Carabao Cup why can't they go to Millwall who will make changes I'm sure and beat them and then get into the third round and then hopefully get the big tie that you know we were hoping for in round two sort of thing and of course in the third round that's when the the, the big Premier yeah. League European teams come in isn't it so you know maybe in, in the long run it will it will work out it'll be interesting to see if um, Stuart O'Keefe midfielder uh, plays any part in, in the game on Wednesday he was signed on loan from Cardiff City on Friday um, he couldn't play against Peterborough on Saturday because there was no international clearance from him. From I know it sounds stupid, but Cardiff is under the jurisdiction of the FA of Wales. Yeah. So although Cardiff are in an English league, you know you still have to get international clearance. So I would have thought, even taking into account Bank Holiday Mondays, that his international clearance would be through. So it would be an opportunity to get him 
some game time either in the start from the start or on the subs bench. So um, so we could see him at the new den. You'd expect Derek Adams after the result against Peterborough to, to shake his side up a bit. There's every no reason why he shouldn't do. Try a few different players, see if he can find um, a combination or a player or two that you know he can then sort of uh, use for the for the away league game on Saturday against um, against Portsmouth. So you know I'm sure that Derek Adams will want to win against Millwall. He wants to win every game, but there is definitely scope to use this Millwall game to try and nail down a few things before the, the Dockyard Derby on Saturday. So um be an interesting game. Long way from home. I mean, the, the one thing to consider is, you know, you know, Argyle will be leaving the new den, say, half 10, 11 o'clock on Wednesday. They'll be lucky to be back in Plymouth by 4 or 5 o'clock Thursday. And then Friday afternoon, they'll be leaving to, to go to Portsmouth. Yeah. So it's, 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 it's pretty poor travel arrangements for them. It's, it, I mean, you yeah. don't want to make excuses, and I'm sure, I'd be surprised if Derek Adams used it as an excuse, but it is a fact that they're going to be doing a lot of travelling in yeah. a short space of time. You know, Portsmouth haven't got a game this week, for example. Um, and it's also coming at the, the end of that block of fixtures, right? Yeah. It's been Saturday, Tuesday, exactly. Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, yeah. Wednesday. You know, it's, 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 not worked, it's not worked out that well. But it is what it is. And when you're on the sort of, you know, when you've only had one win all season and that's been in the Carabao Cup, you need to try and, you know, get some positives from this game. Um, so even if they don't beat Millwall, you know, put in a good performance, take a few chances, you know, try and, you know, keep a clean sheet, you know, try and have building blocks. Yeah. So because when you've had such a bad result as they did on Saturday, you've got to find some positives and build on them and start going from there. Yeah, well you look back to last season, I remember, you know, Argyle really went back to basics mm. and sort of kept started to keep mm. a few clean sheets mm. and started to turn those losses into draws. Yeah. Then the draws became victories and of course they sort of Sometimes it has to be so slow steps, doesn't it? Um Ryan Edwards is an interesting one because he played the first two games, had the euphoria of scoring on the opening day of the season in his first match back from uh, from cancer. Um and then he sort of dropped out of the team for the next couple of games. He came on as a sub Round about the hour mark uh, against Peterborough. I mean, I've got to use five centre backs. That's bizarre, yeah. Five That's different centre backs. That I mean, when has that ever happened before? Yeah. I mean, um, but anyway, I'm going back to the Peterborough. But Ryan Edwards scored, I think, and two and goals as well. Two goals. And where two are they going to get goals from? Ryan Edwards is sort of adopting the Sonny Bradley sort of mantle of if yeah. I'll get set pieces. Ryan Edwards is very capable of scoring six, seven, eight goals this season with good quality free kick delivery and his ability in the air. So if there's not a lot to choose between the centre-backs, which on what I've seen so far there isn't, um, Canavan, Wooten and Ryan Edwards, we haven't seen anything of Peter Grant yet, but you know, out of those three that have, have played, and Gary Sawyer was used as a centre-back as well on Saturday, if there's not a lot to choose, Ryan Edwards clearly is a goal-scoring threat at set-pieces. So to my mind, I'd be looking to get him in the team and then sort of, you know, go from there sort of thing. Yeah. Um, so I think Ryan Edwards, I'd be surprised if he didn't play against Millwall when he'll get a chance to, to impress. Will Gary Sawyer play at left centre-back like he did um, uh, against Peterborough? That's an option, you know, doesn't the has come back in. Peter Grant, like, as I say, it's summer signing, hasn't had a first team game yet. Do you give him a run out against Millwall, him and, and Ryan Edwards? So I could see Derek Adams making, making a fair few changes for this game. Do you think there'll be tactical changes as well as personal? Yeah, uh, well, they, I mean, they've generally played 4-3-3 this season. They played 4-4-1-1 on Saturday and they were 2-0 down in 10 minutes. So it's very difficult to sort of 
draw too many conclusions from that. They could try that again. Um, four three three work. I mean, work like last year. This is the problem. I'm not. I'm not sure that Derek Adams is, has got a formation and a team. Well, I'm not, not sure. I know he hasn't got a formation and a team mm-hmm. nailed down. So, I think the Millwall game perhaps try a few different little bits and pieces, and then with a view to having a clearer idea of what you're going to do against Portsmouth on Saturday. Because, you know, if you offered it to Argyle fans, if you said you could win one of the next two games, clearly you're going to win the, want to win the Portsmouth game, aren't you? Yeah. So try and get positives out in the Millwall game and then put them into practice against Portsmouth so you get a good result there and get your season up and running. Yeah. As you say, Chris, moving on to Portsmouth at the weekend, yes. Argyle really do need to start picking up a point or two because they don't want to be sort of yeah. bottom and... Also, I don't think the fans or, or Derek Adams and people at the club will want to ha- hear the whole deja vu mm. and expect the same as last no, season. No, they definitely that could have been a freak in itself. Yes, yeah, I, I think he probably was a freak. That doesn't happen all that often. Um, and um, yeah, I mean, we went to Portsmouth last November from the bottom of the table, uh, and we're going to Portsmouth in start of September this year. It's September the first, isn't it? And going to be bottom of the table. So never great going to Fat Fratton Park and. Uh, and probably having the uh, the uh, the fratten end reminding the <laughs> yeah. Green Army of their uh, league position and they've been prob- a bit vocal already. They're, on, uh, they're, social they'll media. probably be uh, suggesting that uh, you know that Argyle will be getting relegated and uh, Derry Adams is getting sacked uh, on the Sunday morning and all this sort of stuff. So that's something that Argyle will have to deal with on the day. And uh, you know they they had a slow start last season and it went on for a long time before they turned it around. You're right. You know you you, you don't want to be at the bottom of the table at any stage of the season. Um, of course it's very early and of course it, they're more than capable of turning it around more than capable they've got some, some good players in that squad but you know you don't want it to, to drag on for too long you know and you want to get up and running and get points on the board and, and start looking up the table so um, you know, Portsmouth will, is always a tough fiercely competitive game but look at it on the positive side if you can go there and get a good result that really will give you the kickstart to the season that you're looking for so um like I say, I, I wouldn't want to sound as though I'm writing off the Millwall game as, as, as an irrelevance. I think it's important that, uh, not so much the result, but Derek Adams gets positives out of it. Yeah. So that when you go to Portsmouth, you know, if you were going to Portsmouth off the back of the 5-1 against Peterborough, you know, that's a long week yeah. to dwell on lots of things that didn't go well. Now, you've got this opportunity against Millwall to go there and get positives, both individual performances and as a collective team and in a formation and the system. And then you can put those into practice at Fratton Park, get a good result, whether that be a draw or a win, and then try and go from there. Um, but uh, yeah, it's 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 been a tough start to the season, and they do need to try and find a settled settled side. But when you lose a game five one at home, you how can you have a settled side? Absolutely, yeah. you know. So you need some results so that the manager can then feel safe to pick a settled side. It's yeah. it's a difficult one, but like I say. We're sitting here, it's August Bank Holiday Monday. Um, we don't have to panic too much. I, well, I don't think you need to panic at all because, you know, Derek Adams has proved that, you know, he can turn things around. But you don't ever want to be bottom of the table. It's never a nice no. feeling. Never. Not, not even in August. No, and where better than mm-hmm. Bratton Park to end the run be and great, get the it? season up and it would. It would. Indeed. Well, Chris, thanks ever so much for joining me. That's uh, all we've got time for this week. We'll be back again next week to look back on Millwall and Peterborough and to look, hopefully talk about Argyle being off the bottom of the league. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye.
We are always happy to hear from you, and if you have any questions for our panel, please tweet them to our Twitter account, at Herald PAFC, or visit our Facebook page, Plymouth Argyle The Herald. Thanks for listening.